Hey, everybody. Happy to have you along. I'm your host, Dwight Henry. This is The Chat, and I'm really glad to have my guest with me today. And he's got some exciting things about to happen at the church that he pastors. Sterile, Sterile Paramore is with me today. Sir, glad to have you, Sterile. Thanks for coming. Well, thank you for having me, Dwight. I appreciate it. Glad you much. found their place, by the way. Yeah, I, I found it eventually. Yeah, it's, sure a little bit, it's a little bit tricky sure the first time, but uh, but now you know you'll never miss it again, will you? Now I know. Now, that's the right. flashing red stone comp sign up there is kind of a dead giveaway. Well, that's what gives it away. It's got the yeah. name on it. That's right. if, you, if, you're going, if you're going towards Sparta, I always tell folks now, if you, if you, if you get to where you actually see the sign, you pass the sign, you've gone a little too far. you got to turn off before then. But I appreciate your consistent, persistent effort to get here. And thank you so much. Yes, sir. Thank I'm glad so to much. be here. Thank you for having uh, me. Faith Fellowship is the church that you pastor here in Cookville. And I want to talk about that just a little bit. And then we want to talk about your own spiritual journey, your time in the ministry, how you decided, in addition to the other things that you do, that God called you to that place and how you arrived there. But first, let's go to Faith Fellowship, uh, a church that has been established for a while, but you're building a, a new building. You're getting into your new building, and you're going to have a very special uh, uh, service in the not-too-distant future. Talk about that, Sterl, if you would. Yes, sir. We are uh, going to be dedicating and having a grand opening of our new facility on February the 13th, and that's at uh, 10 o'clock, so just a couple of weeks from now. Uh, We have actually been in the building for uh, probably six or seven weeks, but we're just getting everything to the place that we we want it to be for its official presentation to the public and to our community. And so we're really excited, and we've been working on it for quite a while. The the actual building took about – Two years. Yeah. We uh, we started, and uh, we hadn't. We were just getting ready to break ground, and we found out that we had to have an environmental study. Oh, okay. so, no. so we had that. You didn't and that know that and, and then a, a tragically, a tornado came through our area. Yes, and a, a building project is not nearly as important as the loss of lives yes. and people that uh, suffered very greatly. But that did set us back for a while. And uh, then COVID came along, and nobody yeah. could get materials. Wow! So you so have had some stuff, haven't you? In the midst of that, you know, we we stayed with it, and we uh, were able to progress. And it took us a little longer than we would have liked, but at the same time, God was with us and led us. Yeah. So you start this project. You know that boy that that I hadn't thought about it in those terms. Which, by the way, tell us again the date of the the service, the opening service, February thirteenth. What's going to happen there? When you dedicate the building and go in that direction. Yes, sir. On uh, February the 13th, we are going to have our grand opening and dedication of the building. Uh, We're going to have uh, some representation from uh, city and county governments uh, here uh, at our service that day. We're also going to have denominational officials and people that have been instrumental in the building of our church and who have been uh, good supporters, some of them in this area and some of them not even uh, from around here, uh, but people that have been instrumental in our in our growth and in our ministry are going to be uh, represented that day. And uh, we're looking forward to a great time in the Lord. It's a, it's a big day for your church. For folks who might not know exactly where Faith Fellowship is located here in Google, talk about your address and how they can, how they can find you. Faith Fellowship is located at 551 Maxwell Street. Uh, that is the corner of Maxwell and uh, Carr Avenues. It is right beside Vandevorty Electric, as some of you may know, uh, where that is. A lot of folks have been in the area for a while. Now, that particular piece of property that we own now was two parcels that had been in the 
uh, in a, in a certain family since the fifties, and there have been a number of establishments there over time. For a while, there was a recycling plant when we started. <laughs> Digging and uh, preparing uh, to place the church there, <laughs> we we dug up old telephone books and a lot of old tires and car parts because it was a a, a junkyard for a while and and so there were everything there. Were, there huh? <laughs> it was it really was um, it was interesting as we there used to be a, a plant. As a matter of fact, there are some buildings that are located right across Car Avenue that were built for the people that worked uh, in that facility or in one of the plants that was there for some time. Little small buildings, uh, kind of uh, company houses. So so even even in this, you never knew what you were going to dig up next. Uh, you didn't <laughs> we, find any dinosaur bones, did you? No, we, were, we were just hoping that we wouldn't dig up something that would invalidate our progress. <laughs> Make the and government the, stop us. And the environmental study was a surprise, too, I bet. Yeah, yes, yes, it was. You, as, as you mentioned already, you had, we had this, sadly, we had the tornado, then you had COVID. So, wow, it just seems like there was one thing after another. But you pursued and you persisted. And, and on February 13th, the 10 o'clock in the morning, it's going to be grand opening, dedication, and, and all systems go. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, we are, we are certainly grateful for what the Lord's done. Yeah, faith. Well, Faith Fellowship, and you, we were talking uh, off microphone a while ago, um, but this is kind of not your first rodeo in ministry. You've been you've been around uh, for a while in terms of what forty years you said as far as ministry. Talk about that a little bit. Uh, I've been in the ministry uh, for about forty years. There were a um, a few years where uh, I was an assistant and a youth director, but I began pastoring in my. Uh, mid-20s, and I'm 64 years old now, so uh, about 40 years, and we've, my wife and I and our family, we've been in a few different states, and I did some summer-type work when I was in college, and um, I, I'm just appreciative to um, have been able to be in the ministry. We've been in the Cookville area uh, for about 26 years, and uh, I'm originally from Nashville. My wife is from Ohio, and I never really thought I'd be back in, even in the same vicinity as where I was raised. But uh, we came to, to Cookville uh, in the summer of 96, and so uh, we've been here a good while. Wow. Wow. And you mentioned also, it's, it's amazing, how did you, Cheryl, how did you come to the decision uh, that this was how you wanted to invest your life? Uh, talk about that process. I mean, it, it talk about how the Lord led you in that direction and, and how you made those decisions and uh, and how it's all happened. Well, I was raised in a Christian home, and I often will tell people that I don't really know what it was like not to uh, go to church. And so uh, I was raised in church. My dad was a preacher, and I accepted the Lord uh, as my Savior when I was seven years old in Jacksonville, Florida. My dad was preaching a revival on a Sunday morning. And on a Sunday morning when I was 14 uh, in Jessup, Georgia, I surrendered to the call to preach. And my dad was preaching once again. At 14. And I just began to really feel that that God Mm. was impressing on me that I should preach the gospel and be involved uh, in the ministry. And I didn't talk to anybody for very long, uh, well, really at all beforehand. It wasn't like a period of uh, turmoil and trial that I discussed with other people. But uh, that morning, I particularly felt God leading me, and so I surrendered to the Lord. Didn't preach a lot in the early years, but I began preparing for that life. 14. We are visiting with Cyril Paramore today. He's our guest on the chat, and I want to continue this uh, conversation and, and talk about what happened as a 14-year-old boy. You've been sensing the, the uh, call of God on your life. You stay with us. The chat continues in just a moment. 
Hey, we're back on the chat. I'm your host, Dwight Henry. Glad to have you along. My guest today is Sterl Paramore. He's pastor of Faith Fellowship Church here in town. And Sterl, we were talking a little while ago about your coming to the Lord as a result of being raised in a Christian home at seven years old. Felt a calling on your life to, to, to go into ministry at 14 years old, begin to take steps toward that. But then you went through a period, and I think this is fascinating, and I think others, maybe even myself, can identify with it. You, you thought, well, am I just doing this because uh, I was raised that way out of some sort of obligatory kind of thing that I have to do and going into it. You went through that phase of your life and, and thought in that direction. Talk about that if you would. I came to this type of thinking a little bit later in my ministerial experience. I can remember a, a couple of people saying to me, and these would have been my elders, that they did not know if I had gone into the ministry because I felt like it was something I ought to do since that was what my father had done, and I was kind of following in his footsteps, uh, much like any young person following their parent into a particular line of work. And uh, whenever I, I heard that, which wasn't a lot, but... It sort of it sort of made me mad, like I was a little bit <laughs> insulted, like I I didn't know what God's dealing was, and I never said anything about it. But that's the way I felt. But then, as I have uh, grown in the ministry and seen people over the years that spent a time in the ministry and then were were not in the ministry, um, and I'm not sitting in judgment on that because I I don't believe that. Uh, the call of God necessarily has to be a lifetime call. There are a lot of prophets in the Bible, for instance, that were just called for a particular period of time. And yeah. so so that's a possibility. But I, I began to, to wonder and I began to understand. I can see why someone would think that a child raised in a, a, a Christian household uh, would, would feel maybe an obligation. And so I, uh, I never had a, a period of doubting, but I did run that through my mind, you know, uh, uh, because I do believe in the divine call, and I do believe that uh, that is uh, important for the minister. And so, um, I, I just, I, I guess, I just reaffirmed my own sense of calling uh, of the Lord. And um, the ministry is is a wonderful thing, but it's something that a person needs to have the sense of calling to 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 stay with it. And so you and you obviously worked through that and and became confident that this is the direction the Lord would have for your life. Yes, yes, and yeah. uh, I I thought through that like I thought through a lot of other things, and I encourage people in our church and other people that I know uh, to uh, revisit their experiences with God, whether that be their conversion or the rededication, uh, to uh, reaffirm those things and keep those things fresh. In their lives, I heard someone say Sterl or Sarah Paramore's a guest today. He's pastor of Faith Fellowship here in Cookville, and I want to see if you if this is something you agree with or, or don't. And I, I don't. I'm just telling you what I heard. I heard somebody say one time a long time ago when I was dealing with these kind of things that if you think if you believe you're called into ministry, if you can if you can be happy and satisfied doing anything else and fulfilled doing anything else, don't do it. I mean, don't don't do the ministry. Do that. Is that something you've heard before? Is that something you agree with? Is that something that makes sense at all? I've. I have heard that a lot, and uh, it does make sense to me. Um, the ministry is a very emotional type of work, and that is the real. That's the real burden. It's not a physically hard work. There's a there are plenty of people that have jobs that are a lot more physically more demanding. demanding yeah. But as far as the e- emotional aspect of the ministry is is great, 
and uh, the the stress level can be great, and uh, that's that's in spite of praying and trusting the Lord and all the rest of it. And so, a person really needs to be convinced that they uh, that they uh, are led to do it and they want to do it. They're willing to accept the burden. But having said that, there there's a lot of um, uh, vocations that are very taxing, but people that want to do them are willing to accept that. And so, I'm not saying that uh, the ministry is the only uh, life uh, that is like that. But uh, ha- having said that part, the ministry is not so much a job as it is a lifestyle. Oh, that's a good point. And it is a job, but it's also the type of thing that is is consuming. And so it's important that you uh, are convinced of uh, of, a, of a person uh, needs to be convinced of their calling to be involved. Yeah. What is you've been you've been at this 40 years. Yes. Or so um, what is what has changed about the ministry or, or the people or the culture? Uh, a lot has happened in this country. A lot has happened in the country. A lot has happened to families. A lot has happened to, you know, the church attendance and all that. 40. Talk about, uh, and you being in the middle of that for 40 years, it's, it's bound to have had, give you pause to reflect and, and uh, talk about your, what you've experienced in that regard. One of the things that preachers will address frequently with good intention and with a lot of truth is the fact that there are a lot of people that are what we call cultural Christians that are not really true Christians. They're not really saved. And so I understand that. And we talk about that a lot at our church about making sure of your salvation. However, on the, on the other hand, there was a time in our uh, nation and probably around our world in which, uh, th- Christianity had a greater influence on the culture. And so there were a lot of people that they may not have been uh, true believers uh, in the the real sense, but they did sort of accept Christian uh, principles. And uh, the laws reflected that. The general societal norms reflected that. And that has changed uh, in my lifetime. And I'm not saying that it was great in anybody's lifetime, but uh, that has changed to a good degree. And so the the Christianity uh, in some ways has a little less of a general acceptance in the culture. And so, uh, for instance, I used to visit people and I visited thousands and thousands of doors in my in my lifetime. And I'd visit people and I'd ask them where they went to church, and they'd sort of drop their head and say, "Well, I know I ought to go, but I don't." Well, they don't even do that now. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so that has changed. And I had a professor when I was in uh, college that said, and he was uh, the age of, older than my parents, and. Um, uh, has is now deceased, and he said, "When I was a child, everyone that I knew was either a believer or God fearing, and that is not true to as great an extent today." Yes, we've got a little less than a minute left in this segment, Stuart. But what 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 what's causing all this? Why are we? What what are you? What do does the church have less, less influence and impact, or has there been? Why is it, I agree with you. When I was a kid, it didn't matter where you, they were a believer or they were God fearing, mm-hmm. and, and their cults are just not there anymore. There are some senses in which um, there has been a change, and some in which there has been no change. Yeah. I, I tell people a lot uh, today that you know sin has always been around, but it's not always been as accessible. Uh, and, and see, the thing is, you you can uh, you can take a life by throwing a rock. 
Yeah. But but you can take more lives if you're firing a gun and used yeah. not to be as available uh, sure. weapons, you know, in, in times past. And let's pick it up right there. We're going to take a little quick break, but I want to continue this talk because what you're saying is true, and maybe we can uh, identify why it's true. And we're happy to have Sterile Paramore with us today. Paramore, he's pastor at Faith Fellowship here in Cookville, a big event coming for that church, and we'll talk more about that on February 13th at 10 o'clock. We're happy to have you with us on the chat. Hey, we're back on the chat. I'm your host, Dwight Henry. Very happy to have Sterile Paramore as my guest today, pastor of Faith Fellowship Church here in town. And uh, Sterile, we were just uh, we were just talking about uh, the change of culture and what's happened since you've been in ministry for forty years. Pick it up where we left off there at the break. Okay, the um, um, culture has changed in some ways, in other ways it has not. They're just different manifestations. Certain things uh, in our society, negative things, have have always been around. Uh, drug usage, uh, different types of lifestyles that that are negative in nature have always been around, but uh, they weren't as accessible as they are now. They weren't as talked about. They weren't as above board. Uh, a person could always get cocaine, but it wasn't as readily available as it is today. And so it's changed in that sense. In another sense, there's there are ways in which things have not changed. For instance, uh, a per capita alcohol consumption was greater in the 1800s than it, than it, right? than it was. It, it took it nearly uh, 50 years uh, after prohibition to reach as high a level as it was before per capita. And so things have changed and they've not changed, too. And also church attendance was much greater in the 1900s than it was in the 1800s. There's a sense in which things are, are different and uh, they're a lot the same. But we live in a society in which things are above board. And you you will frequently hear uh, parents, uh, they'll say things like, my goodness, they're uh, talking about things in elementary school that I didn't know till I graduated college. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and and so things are more above board. And the uh, concerning thing to me is not uh, as much the fact that certain negative things exist. And we can call them negative factors in society. We can call them illegalities. We can call them sins. You can label them however you want. It's not so much the fact that they they exist, but that they are accepted in a greater degree as viable and legitimate uh, lifestyles, approaches to life. And some of that teaching runs counter to um, uh, Christianity, the cause of Christ, teachings of the Bible. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, the um, and 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 do you? Uh, of course, the family unit, the family which which obviously is at the core of your ministry and the core of any church, has changed so much in the last forty years too. In terms of, uh, I was talking sterile the other day to uh, a lady who'd been in our school system a long time as a teacher, and she said uh, the first year that she taught, there was one little boy in her class who. Whose parents were divorced, and uh, and then she said the last year that I taught, there was one little boy in her class uh, whose parents weren't. I mean, weren't. I mean, ever weren't divorced. That that whole family makeup has has been has got to have been a challenge for 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 ministers and and for our culture as a whole. Yes, um, following uh, that thought, uh, as I was growing up, I only had one really close friend whose parents were divorced. Um, and, uh, now I knew other people whose parents were, but I'm talking about only one close friend that I saw a lot that lived in my neighborhood. And, um, now we know that it's about half of everybody. And in my saying that I'm not, 
casting dispersions or, or criticizing oh, anyone not. who has been divorced no, because I know there's not. all kinds of different situations. I'm just saying that we're just saying that in society at large. And another thing is that uh, family has such a loose connotation in our culture. And I'm not against people saying that the ball team is a family. Yeah. And I'm sure I'm, you know, the Pittsburgh Pirates, when uh, they won the World Series years we ago, they say we are family, Sister that. Sledge. And so I'm not against that at all. But the idea that um, you don't have to have a nuclear family as biblically defined, uh, and and that that idea is not only being is not only tolerated in our society, and I'm not a person who tries to be intolerant of others, whether I agree with them or not, but it's not only being tolerated in our society; it's being promoted as legitimate and as proper as a biblical unit. Uh, a biblical family unit, and uh, which runs counter to uh, the teachings of Christ and of Scripture. Yeah, absolutely, it absolutely does. And well, I just, I just want to. I mean, I say this sincerely. Uh, Forty years. That's that's that that you made that commitment. You stayed in that, and you you do some other things in your life that we want to talk about on, uh, next week. But uh, but uh, but you, you've seen a lot of changes, impacted a lot of people, and now you are on the front end of a of a new chapter in your ministry uh, with Faith uh, Faith Fellowship uh, here in Cookville. Grand opening is February thirteenth at ten o'clock, and and I love what you said at the top of the show. You just you launched this building program. And uh, here comes, you know, sadly, here comes COVID. Here comes a tornado. Here comes all kinds of challenges with the property, uh, environmental study. Uh, you must, your core group of people have got to be a people of faith and, and pretty persistent <laughs> folks. Talk about talk about who you, who's in the church there. And and and, uh, and you saw it through, and here it is. You're you're about ready, and you've been in the building for a little while. Yes, sir. Uh, but uh, but you're about, about ready to have a grand opening on mm-hmm. February 13th. Yes, sir. They they were 40 years, but they were dog years, so it's 240. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, that's great. <laughs> um, I was actually pastoring in Cookville uh, since um, 96 and, and pastored in the area for uh, 12 years and uh, was going to leave the area and uh, was going through the normal process that pastors do, putting out resumes, talking to people, things like that, and uh, and talked with a few people about uh, starting a church. And I said, no, I'm I'm not going to do that and went through about a eight-week period of, of sort of uh, being negative on the idea and then um, spent a snowy weekend shut in and um, decided with the Lord that if um, certain criteria were met, we'd try to start a church. And uh, so I told the Lord, I said, I said, I'm going to have to have 30 people interested in starting and $1,000 a week. And so we had a couple of preparatory meetings and then we took the final tally, and I had 27 people and uh, $1,100 a week, and so I said, close enough. <laughs> and so that, that's really – that's a short story on how it started. But our folks have, have stayed with it, and, uh, and I am so appreciative and, and really amazed and humbled. The one thing that I did was I cut my salary in half, which led me to becoming bivocational which is the path I've chosen and, and taken in the last 13 years. God is blessed, but our folks have been faithful as well. Yeah, wow. And it's got to be an exciting thing. Uh, two years after all the commitment to do it, the building, the things that you encountered on the front end, uh, and uh, including all the things that we talked about. Now, here you are, and you're in it already, but here you are. And, and February 13th, when you step in that pulpit for that day, uh, Sterl, it's, it's got to, you've got to be really looking forward to that. Yes, sir. We're, we are so excited about it. And we've been, 
we've been preparing and and uh, thinking positively and and getting ready and we're excited about it there there is another thing that we're doing two weeks later on the 26th we're having an open house and okay. that's from two o'clock till five o'clock to encourage people in the community to come and walk through the facility as well that is faith fellowship here in cookville we are delighted to have been speaking with Pastor Sterile Paramore and the grand opening February 13th, open house February 26th. Yes, sir. And from what what hours now? From 2 o'clock till 5 o'clock in the afternoon. 2 to 5 o'clock. Thank you so much for being with us. This has been very enjoyable, and uh, I appreciate you being here, Pastor. Sure do. Thank you for having me, Dwight. I've enjoyed it very much. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Join us next time for The Chat.